WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 5 o'clock hour on the drive home. Hopefully you're enjoying the day because uh, sometimes when the Eagles lose, you, your Monday kind of stinks. Kind of feels like that today. The Monday doesn't feel so good when the birds lose. Bacharach has the only newer recovery robots in South Jersey. Know your rights to access the most advanced rehab today. Bacharach.org for more information. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Your reaction to the game last night will open up the text board. 609-403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. Let us know who's bothering you more today. Carson Wentz, a lot of people asking Wentz questions. Mike, who do we start? Uh, when do we start saying Wentz has regressed? It certainly looks like it. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm not making excuses for Wentz at all. I thought he was terrible yesterday. I thought he was horrible in week one. Got to start asking those questions. And we brought up the thing with Andrew DeCecco about the injury problems he's had in the past. And you wonder if a lot of those injuries have caught up to him a little bit. And, you know, is he a little gun shy? Is he a little uh, tepid because of that? That's interesting. I don't know, though. It doesn't seem like he had time in the pocket. It would be different if he had no time. He was running around like well, uh, last week Deshaun he, Watson. Last week he know? didn't have time. So, you know, even if he had time this week, is he having it in his mind that I'm, I'm getting pressured? But don't you think after the first quarter or so when you realize that you you do have the time that that would set in? Like, I get against Washington. At some point, you're like, damn, I can't do anything. But after the first quarter, let's say, is over against the Rams, you have a good understanding that, hey, this offensive line has a groove, so I have some time to do stuff. Well, and that's, again, like yesterday, I liked the way that they they were more balanced yesterday for the most part. They had 20 runs with Sanders, 26 runs overall, 43 passes, but I think a lot of that came, you know, sometimes the run pass gets muddled a little bit because if you're winning – you run the ball more to run clock. If you're losing, you're going to throw the ball more. He was actually running the ball when they were down. No, as I'm saying, I, I like the fact that he stuck with the run. I think Sanders gives him another dimension there uh, with the running game. I liked uh, Sanders in the run game. I thought he looked good. He was patient there. Um, you go to even Boston Scott. They brought him in, and Spielman couldn't stop talking about, hey, he's such a short guy back there. It's really hard to see him. You know, yeah, then every running back should be five foot four. I mean, come on. You know, he made it like this guy was uh, the second coming of Barry Sanders. But I get it. All right, Scott played a nice role. I like the way that they used Scott yesterday. They used him for four carries, had him three times out of the backfield. I thought that one of the things that I will agree on in terms of the play design is last week they had Goddard, I thought, in much better position. Uh, much I, I like the way they used the tight ends last week way better than this week. But I think that was just a... a um, the Ram, by the way, the Rams play defense, too, and they have a game plan. And their game plan was essentially, do not let the Eagles receivers. They were like, we'll give you everything you want in front. The problem I have with that is they're giving you this in front. And I thought they could. This is one one of the things that really bothers me with the way they sometimes use their receivers is I want to see the guys like Jackson and Rieger, the guys who have speed be the guys who catch the ball underneath, and then let them make guys miss, let them use the open field to make moves. I don't want to see Zach Ertz catches the ball. Okay, I'm giving Ertz the catch. He catches it, and the second Ertz gets hit, he goes right down. 
I mean, he's not breaking a tackle. He's not making people miss. So I don't mind the play design for Ertz, and I get it. Ertz catches a lot of balls, and he's very good. But you can use that same play design and put get it to a guy who has some more speed and let them be the guy that catches the ball and go one-on-one with the defender and see if you can make a miss. And then you get that big after the catch yard. They get no after the catch yards with Zach Ertz. No, I, I like that you brought that up. That's the type of stuff that I am talking about where I think Doug Peter, like it's almost like I'm giving Doug Peterson a lot of credit. I think he is so smart that it's, crazy to me that he doesn't think of that play like I look at Doug Peterson as a very smart NFL head coach so for us to say huh why don't you allow Deshaun Jackson or Rager to maybe get that ball underneath and let him run like you did with Nelson Aguilar I think that's where my frustration comes out the most because I look at Doug Peterson as someone who should know to do that like he is a smart man so you're right that is a play that I think can be utilized and can help win football games with this offense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to – and by the way, it's, it's odd to say this, but one of the things I was thinking about yesterday is, man, aren't they missing Alshon Jeffrey right now? That's not weird that you thought that at all because he is an actual version of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That's a, a version of him that you can actually use, and you need that type of player. So I think that that's – reasonable to think about him now and another thing that you're missing in this game if you're Eagles watching this game is the wide receivers and I know this doesn't get talked about a lot because it's not the sexy thing but the wide receivers don't block a lick down the field so even when you get these little bubble screens or these underneath the play even like Miles Sanders on the run there's a chance for bigger runs, but the, the the receivers are not holding their blocks down the field, and it's cutting some of these runs. Some of these runs can be bigger runs if the receivers do a better job of blocking down the field. Artega Whiteside, who's out there to block, eh, I don't think he does a very good job of that either. Rieger doesn't do a good job of it right now. Jackson, we know, not great at it either. There was actually a play with Rieger where they got in the ball early. I don't remember if it was a screen or if it was just a short pass, but he cut the wrong way. He should have went to the outside and would have been able to gain more yards, but he cut the wrong way, cut inside, and went more into traffic. So those are the type of stuff that when you're learning and you're getting more game experience yeah. for Rieger that you'll learn to go to the outside more to pick up some yards. Yeah, and Spielman actually mentioned that. Like, hey, as he gets more experience, he'll figure that out a little bit. Look, he played 85% of the snaps. It was the highest of all the receivers yesterday. So it's good that they have him out in the field and they view him to be a part of the offense. But uh, I like to see Rieger be used a little bit differently. There are Look, I'm not saying Doug was perfect yesterday and he couldn't have done a better job. But, again, I think there were plays that were there to be made and were not made. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, you missed this guy. Or, I'm just talking about plays that he threw the ball to the guy, and if the guy, if he just makes a good throw and the catch is made, the game's so different. Those are plays where I'm just like, I, I, it's hard for me to criticize the play call when the guy's open and you're just not delivering him the pass. I don't know the result of that play. You know, like the, the play to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside that everybody's kind of ripping him about. I mean, why are you throwing it to J.J.? If he makes the throw, J.J. was open. It was just a, I want to say a four-letter word, but it was a terrible throw. It was a, it was a bleak throw. That's what it was. Throw was behind, and that's why he gets picked off. I mean, it's a, it's a play where the guy's open. They schemed him open because you know what it was, bros? I don't think they thought J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's running that route. 
You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, okay, here's a chance to take a shot where they don't think you're going to run that route, and we're going to try to take it. You've got to deliver him the football there. That's fair. And, and look, I, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, I'm not giving Carson Wentz an excuse. I am extremely more pissed off with Carson Wentz than I am Doug Peterson. I just, I can't let Doug P as the head football coach, the offensive coordinator, may I add, off the hook for, you know, th- this is more than just this game. I guess when I look at this and my frustrations boiling out of me, I feel I'm underwhelmed with Doug Peterson since that 2017 run. I haven't seen an offense click on all cylinders. And when I see the opposing side, I just see an offense that has structure and flow and an identity. Well, and I don't know if this offense really has an identity. It's just, hey, let's let's just it, It's funny, though. It's funny, sometimes. though, because it's the Rams. And everyone's like, ah, McVay, this boy genius and everything. And then he gets mocked as like, Hey, if you shook hands with Sean McVay, you got a head coaching job in this league. And <laughs> look, the, the the Rams did not make the playoffs last year. They got I, shut down. I think down. it's more than just sh- – I think it's just the way this league is going, though. We talk about how you enjoyed the Hurts pick because, well, let's look at the Saints and let's look what they do and let's look at some of the ways these quarterbacks are utilized. They're more mobile. That just opens up the playbook. All these mobile quarterbacks, like Jared Goff working in this scheme – I think the reason why this scheme is even being ran is because it's 2020, and I think that you can still utilize Carson Wentz without being a Kyler Murray type, yeah, and it can work because if that's just like the style of 2020 football. You know what's interesting, though, about like this conversation and you look at the Rams and what they did yesterday? Yeah, they had some movement. They did a lot of things, but you know, for the most part, the plays that really hurt the Eagles were just simple seams where they had the tight end matched up with the guy they wanted. I mean, that's just an old-school play where, hey, let's just run the tight end, seam them down well, the field. Well, I think field. what they did, too, was they established the run so much that the play action worked, and then they added some misdirection in there. And a, a lot of – like the, They the ran a I lot like of misdirection. Up, but they uh, ran and, – And that is important because they this ran the misdirection. Yeah, well, they ran the misdirection a lot because they understood that the Eagles linebackers are not good – and that they could really get them going one way because they're not good. I mean, that's what I talked about with uh, DeCheco when I said, I think they game-planned and said, these Eagles linebackers overcommit on everything. Let's just go misdirection, get them going one way, and we're going to have guys running the tight end, really, wide open all the time because those linebackers are going to commit to you know their keys in the backfield. And I thought they did a great job. And then the one play that kept killing them is the is – the, um, uh, they kept using the 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 uh, the jet sweep. They did it. What? How many? Their receivers. Yesterday. I want to see the Eagles do the jet sweep. Like, why yeah. can't they utilize the jet sweep? That's something that I think yes, that they should utilize rigor more with. They should utilize him and, and with on the plays misdirection like stuff. You know, like the 49ers did it, the Rams are doing it. Regardless of who the opponent is, those teams utilize that, and it's forcing the defense to make the play. You need to force them to make the right play. With the Eagles' offense, you're not forcing the Rams' defense to make a decision and, and, you know, choose the right way. You're forcing the other team to have to make that split-second decision. If they make the wrong one, boom, you can exploit that. And that's where I have the problem. You're just allowing that Rams defense to do what they want to do. Let them throw underneath. Well, you need to force that team to have to make that quick second decision because if they fail, then that Eagles play is going to be very beneficial for the squad. Uh, Coming up, one thought every game from Casey Joyner as he joins us every Monday. Hey, by the way, don't forget, are you getting close to retirement age? 
Are you retired now? Do you have all this money that you're sitting on? You don't know what to do with it. Lee Malotsky over at SHM Financial. That's the guy to call. I recommend you do it now. 800-SHM-MONEY. Because, hey, the election's coming up. Nobody knows what the election's going to do to the market and how it can affect your money. Call 800-MONEY-SHM, 800-MONEY-SHM, or visit shmfinancial.com. Check out that weekly podcast I've been telling you about on election-proofing your assets. They can access your risk profile, maybe an annuity. But all you need to know is give them a call. Lee Malotsky, tell them you heard us right here talking about, hey, that retirement age, it gets here fast. If you know somebody who's getting around that age and you need to know, you have questions about what to do with their money, 800-MONEY-SHM or visit shmfinancial.com. Sports Bass is live. It's brought to you by Matt Kia. They want to get you approved today. Visit them on the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. Casey Joyner, what happened in that game yesterday? What did he see on the tape? One thought on every game as we look back at what was a disastrous effort by the Philadelphia Eagles and, of course, Carson Wentz at the top of that list. So we'll break down. What went wrong? Eagles and Rams. One thought on every game. As the footballscientist.com NFL insider Casey Joyner joins us right now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. And we'll, we'll get right into it, Casey, because it was obviously a tough day for Carson Wentz. When you watch Wentz yesterday, uh, what did you see from him? Because, you know, I mean, quite frankly, uh, he did not have a very good game yesterday. He didn't have a very good game, uh, but I don't think it was quite as bad as people are making it out to be. There are some issues and some such, and some matters that uh, would ameliorate that issue, that his problems. But I mean, come on, yeah, I, I just put it this way: he only throws four deep passes yesterday, so most of the stuff he's throwing is dink and dunk throws, and yeah, and he had one of the deep passes he threw his picks. So that's the one everybody remembers. Yep, the throw to J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside, obviously uh, it gets picked. And if he makes that throw, he probably gets six. He throws it behind, he gets picked off. But why are they? Why was that yesterday? We were going back and forth about the game that Peterson called. I mean, the Rams were seemingly playing so deep that they were giving you the underneath, trying to take that over the top away. Uh, I, mean, I mean, quite frankly, it looked like there was a lot of plays uh, to be made that Wentz just wasn't making them. He wasn't making them. Some of it was drops too. It's not all on him. I mean, there were some. There were some drop passes though. I would say something on the pass to Ortega Whiteside. Uh, it was I looked at their, they don't have the coaches tape up yet on a game pass, but uh, for what they have on the they were multiple player or multiple views from the TV view and. They run four uh, four receivers out in the play. Three of them are double covered, and the fourth is Rager, and he's going up against Ramsey in press coverage. You know he's probably not open, but you're looking at the play, and when Ertz goes over the middle. Two guys take him an inside-out coverage, and the weak side safety comes over the top to essentially give triple coverage to Ertz. And that means Arthago Whiteside was open, but Wentz didn't point his foot properly. It was bad mechanics. He pointed his foot towards the left instead of pointing it down the middle, and he threw the ball behind him. But his read would have been, I've got single coverage here because they triple covered Ertz, and I should be able to hit this. But if he takes his time and takes an extra half second to make this throw, he probably makes it. But he got rushed, and I think he just feels right now that his timing is such that he he needs to rush these passes, even though there was nobody within five yards of him. Yeah, I know uh, Wentz is getting a lot of heat today. It's his fifth year, and uh, you know Doug Peter it was asked whether or not uh, they are seeing his production regress a little bit. Are you seeing a guy who is regressing? Are you seeing a guy that looks like he's taking some steps back? I see a guy who, you know, look at yesterday, like let's just take uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Uh, 
Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson is dropping a bunch of passes, but he still threw a ton of targets to him, and he keeps staying patient with him, and he's now making some big plays. Chase Claypool's a rookie, didn't do anything in week one, but he threw a deep pass to him for a touchdown this past week. He's being patient with his rookies and making sure that it works. I think Wentz, when he has a problem with one of his receivers, one of his young receivers, okay, hey, Rager makes a mistake, I'm not going back there. Hey, Hightower makes a mistake, I'm not going back there. Hey, Arthago Whiteside, you know, on that pass, maybe he could have saved me in the interception. I'm not going to go back there. I think he loses patience with his receivers, and I think that's part of why the Rams said, fine, we're taking Ertz out of your game plan because he's your safety blanket, and you're not using uh, Goddard in the same way when you've got Ertz and they're using Goddard on short passes. So fine, you can take passes then. We're going to take Ertz away from you. We're going to make you go to these rookies. And Wentz just needs to find a way to make it work with these guys because they're going to be there, and he needs to make this work. It's not like he's got another option. Uh, yesterday, um, the defense, um, it looked like uh, McVay was five steps ahead. It was checkers, chess against checkers, it seemed like. Now, Rodney McLeod said something interesting after the game, which essentially uh, he said, no, we practiced all week. Everything they showed, we saw in practice. I think that's an alarming comment there for the way they looked uh, on defense yesterday. Yeah, now mind you, they only you know, Goff only threw six deep passes in Week One. He only threw five passes this week. He completes three of them though for ninety-seven or for 50, 77 yards. So it's you know they did they did throw deep, but they were throwing some short passes. The problem was is that on the short passes, the Eagles tackling was a atrocious in the first half. It was a little better in the second half, but they were still making some, some misplays there. But, I mean, it was just awful. It's like they didn't want to be out there. It's all arm tackling. I'm seeing, it, seeing in my head that old Vince Lombardi screaming at his team, you know, put your shoulder in there. I mean, this is just, it's, it's, it's like they didn't want to be there. That's what was most concerning to me is that the defense did not look like it really wanted to be on that field in the first half. And, I mean, come on, this is, you know, it's just, this isn't like week 12 or something. You should be wore out yet. When you watch them through two weeks, uh, anything that carried over from week one that's still a concern after watching them in week two? Now, if you're talking from from a concern perspective, uh, yeah, I mean the the coverage was bad too. They did not cover well. They did not tackle well. I am very concerned about the secondary because the Eagles went from a we talked about it in the off season. They went from having a we're going to be a safety centric secondary to now they're really a corner centric secondary. They put a lot of investment in the corners and it's not working. I mean the safety play is not very good. Mills uh, in the fourth quarter uh, he missed a tackle on Henderson allowed for 40 yard gain. If he makes a tackle where where the point of contact is like a 12 yard gain. It's things of that nature, plus the, the missed coverages that they've had and the bad tackling the secondary. That's what's really concerning to me is that uh, if this secondary keeps playing this badly, I just don't know, no matter how good the, the defensive line plays, that you're going to be able to make up for it. Yeah, Roby Coleman uh, had a tough game yesterday. Nine attempts all completed at him. He was supposed to really be an upgrade in that slot. Another uh, interesting thing, that Eagles defensive line. On Friday we talked about, all right, Eagles defense against the Rams offensive line. When the Eagles are able to get pressure, uh, Goff yesterday was 4 of 10 for 37 yards. When there was no pressure, he was 16 for 17 for 230 yards. They got a lot of money invested in that defensive front. How disappointing uh, is that defensive front? Very disappointing, and I'll even flip over to the to the running game from that perspective. That they did a lot of with that defensive line, and they usually do a lot of one gap. Let's get up the field and pressure the offense. They were doing a lot of two gapping, and that was surprising to me. Like you didn't bring these guys in here to do two gaps, and whether you know whether the Rams are doing things that they had to adjust to and such, they still weren't able to get those defensive linemen in one-on-one situations in the running game, and it was leaving the linebackers and defensive backs to have to make the plays, and they weren't doing it. I'm looking at it going, this does not look like the Eagles' defense. Now, later on, they were able to make adjustments and start doing more one-gap in the running game, but it's still it's something that, that – 
you've got this sort of talent in there, and you've made these kinds of investments. You shouldn't be. You know, this is not something you should be too gapping with, and it's not something you should be. You should be disrupting a plays more than you are because you've not set up your defense to have your back seven take care of the running game. The front four is supposed to be really taking care of it, and they didn't do it on defense. Well, it looked like uh, the Rams really took advantage of that linebacking core. They did, and uh, especially on that one pass to, uh, to Higby. Uh, what the uh, Dr. Z used to call that a sucker boot play, where you, you fake like you're going to run to the right, and then the, the tight end drags on underneath and then make, and runs a and runs a wheel route and such. I mean, Gary just totally bit on that play. And, I mean, it's you've got to know that's coming. My son's even watching the game, going, "All they're doing is all this stuff off a of bootleg. It's it's pretty simple stuff." I'm like, yeah, well, it, it's McVeigh. He he disguises a lot of this, but you've got to be expecting that something that you just know they're going to run uh, one or two times a game, and you have to be able to stop it and to be that caught that much out of perspective again they know it's there but they just didn't play it right and if you can't execute it doesn't matter how well you practice yeah it's a great job of realizing how weak the eagles are at that linebacker spot over committing and they really took advantage of them there let me ask you you know how much do you think this eagles defense is missing a guy like uh, malcolm jenkins i think i'm missing a lot i think that again mills is just not is not the same player. You can't put him in the box the same way. McLeod, I think McLeod and Mills, when you're looking at the two, it's like those guys, just neither of them can impact the box in the same way. And I think that was a lot of what the Eagles could do over the years is take the safeties and bring them up in the box. And I understand why they went in the quarter. With it. You know, we need to invest heavily in corners because you look at Dallas and you go, all right, well, they've got Cooper, they've got uh, Gallup, and they've got uh, Lamb now. And these, that's, you have to have people who can cover them. So I get it. But you just can't stop the run the same way if you don't have the safety to come up and stop the run. I just don't think. And when I saw the missed tackle by Mills, it was just, I don't think he wanted the contact. In fact, that's a lot of what I got out of the Eagles defense. They just didn't want the contact. If you get a defense that doesn't want contact, you're going to have a long year. All right, Casey Joyner, uh, footballscientist.com. It's time for one thought on every game that we saw in week number one. But first, let's get your take on tonight's game. I think it's going to be interesting. It's Saints and Raiders. And uh, obviously, uh, the Raiders scored, what, 35 last week against a high-powered Saints offense. Are we looking at a shootout tonight? I think we could be. And I actually picked the Raiders in an upset in this contest in my weekly picks on PickWatch.com. I think the Raiders' offense is going to be able to put up a lot of points. I think no Michael Thomas is going to be a big problem for the Saints. I don't think that their offense was playing well at all last week in the first place. And I think the Raiders can put up 28-31 to 31 in this contest if they play to their capabilities. And I think the Saints aren't going to be able to keep up. By the way, if they are, I hope they're Josh Jacob touchdown runs. Just throwing that in there. <laughs> one thought every game, week one, let's go. Giants go to the uh, Bears. Bears are now 2-0. and Giants lose Barkley. It could be a really – it was going to be a long year. It could be a really long year now. I picked the Giants in an upset. I figured, you know, obviously, they'd have Barkley. Mind you, if they'd had Barkley, they probably do win that game because as close as it was, it says something for the, the Bears that they barely beat the Lions and the Lions imploded last week. The Giants lose Barkley. The Bears are easily the weakest 2-0 and team in the league. But give them credit. But, yeah, it's going to be a long season in New York. All right, let's go to uh, Dallas. That game, uh, somebody texted in. We were talking about something that hadn't happened ever. or It was like 4-39-0, and that changed yesterday in that game. Uh, I, I mean, Dallas gets that onside kick, but Atlanta's in trouble all of a sudden. Oh, it is it? I saw a live sports bureau said that if a team that scores 39 points and has zero turnovers, that no team in NFL history as far back as they're tracking turnovers back to 1933 has ever lost a contest like that. Atlanta won that in every way. They had 3-0 in the turnover battle. They didn't miss any kicks in the kicking game. Dallas had two fake punts that didn't work. I mean, everything should have went Atlanta's way, and it didn't. I think it's going to cost the Atlanta coach's job. But give Dallas credit for they getting that kind of a game, and they find a way to win. So good for them. But it's going to cost the Atlanta coach's job eventually. 
Uh, Detroit falls to 0-2. That team sounds like uh, or looks like a, a mess as well. Green Bay, 42 points. They go over 42 weeks in a row. They do, and Detroit had injuries in the secondary, and Green Bay still decided to run at them and power run at them and did it with great success. Jones at 168 yards, even caught 68 yards out of the backfield and things. I mean, Detroit teams can't stop the run or the pass. It will be a long year in Detroit. Jacksonville, at least they seem fun. Tennessee gets the win. They go to 2-0, and uh, but, man, what a fun game that was. Gardner Minshew might have to start taking him serious. James Robinson had a nice day down there, but too much Tennessee. I've got some Jacksonville contacts, and they, they've said that people have talked to around Jacksonville and things, and they say that Robinson looked really good in camp, and that's part of the reason they let Fournette go is because he played as well as he did. So Robinson's going to be a big guy in fantasy and such, and Jacksonville can put up the points, but they don't have the defense to do it. And give Tennessee credit. I mean, last week they had to play a power game. This week they had to play a high-scoring game, and they were able to win both. I think they're, they're proving that 2019 wasn't a fluke. All right, Indianapolis disappointing last week. They come back and get a win. What's going on with Minnesota? They're another team like Philly 0-2 with some expectations. Yeah, uh, their defense is awful. They miss Diggs more than they thought they would. Diggs is doing great on vertical. Well, did great on vertical passes for them, and it really hurt their offense. But their defense, I mean, this is atrocious for the, for this for this defense. They didn't play as badly this past week as they did in week one. But you give them twenty eight. That's that's pretty bad. I think the Vikings, if they can't get that defense shored up, they don't have an offense that can get into shootouts right now. I think and again, it could be long year in Minnesota. Another fun one. Buffalo goes to Miami back and forth. Four hundred yards plus for Josh Allen. Diggs. 153. Hey, give Buffalo credit. They went on the road. Not an easy place to win in Miami. And Buffalo is showing that they will go vertical and they are going to be uh, going to have expansive passing offense. Josh Allen had never thrown for 300 yards in his career before last week. Last week at those for 300 early. In week one, he does. He throws for 417 yesterday, as you mentioned. So, I mean, he's on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards. They took advantage of a bad Miami secondary to Noah in. God, I forget how you pronounce his last name. It's a guy from Auburn that they have as a quarterback <laughs> in their secondary. He's got a weird-sounding last name, but he uh, he did terrible in coverage against Diggs. I think that's part of it. I don't think Buffalo's going to stay with this. They don't want to be you know getting into shootouts every week, but that they can, that makes them an even more dangerous team. That's going to be somebody you're going to hear from in the playoffs. San Fran uh, dropping like flies there. So many injuries, but still good enough to beat the Jets. I would imagine uh, Gaze is in some trouble. Yeah, he, this, he isn't doing the job in New York he did in Miami. He took a four-win talent team in Miami and was winning eight with them. In New York, he's not getting them to play above their talent level. It's bad for him. But San Francisco, I'll, I'll say this, even though they have the, the injury backfield and such, they're a type of team that they can block so well that if you just give them solid running game, they'll be, they'll be okay. I think they can, they can weather the storm, but to see as many injuries as they have on defense, that's going to be the problem. Uh, Denver, they fall to 0-2. Pittsburgh gets a win. They are now 2-0, 26-21. Big Ben with over 300 yards. Big day for him. Big Ben is a remedy yards. He got that kind of pass to Chase Claypool. They, they, in fact, the Steelers played very well. They should have won that game handily. They tried to tumble in that contest, and and play below their talent level for the second half. And Denver almost came back to win it, but when you've got a backup quarterback and Sutton's now out for the year and you're just missing as many people as they're missing, I think Denver's got some injury problems. In fact, there's so many injury problems around the league, I think yeah. it's going to be a pretty uh, interesting next month. Yeah, Locke went out, Sutton with an ACL, he's done as well. Carolina, uh, they lose in Tampa, uh, 367. Bridgewater continues to play pretty well, but their defense has given up, what, 67 uh, points, I think, like that, something like that over the two weeks. Brady played better, uh, but too much Tampa. Too much Tampa, and just imagine if Godwin would have been in the contest. They gave up 31 to a team that didn't have arguably the best receiver, or at least you know as good as Evans. So that's tough for them. 
Brady's still looking a bit rusty. He's gets a big change from what the New England play calling scheme to the uh, to Tampa play calling scheme. It's not identical. It's nowhere near identical. So it's a big change. I don't think it's all a physical thing. I think it's a lot. A lot of that that has a lot to do with it. But the Tampa can put up 31 when they're not playing well. Speaks well for them. And yeah, Tampa and Carolina again. They're going to get a lot of shootout games too. But Bridgewater, he could be throw 4,000 yards this year. I thought this one was going to be fun. Arizona looks good. They're all of a sudden two and zero. Washington with that defense. I thought that would have been more interesting. But boy, Kyler Murray looks good, and of course, D Hop down there. Uh, Arizona got out to a big league this time. Washington couldn't get back in. Washington couldn't get back in, and their offense is just not very good. Their blocking wasn't good last week, and it, it didn't look like it was very good against Arizona on the you know, opening eye contact looking at the game. But uh, Arizona, that they can play, and now they can play that kind of power football. And again, the second straight week, they've handled a team, at least from a defensive front perspective, they've handled a team that can punch them in the mouth. And it shows that Arizona is not just an air raid team. They're going to be able to play some power football. They're going to be a team to contend with. This one was fun. Kansas City and uh, L.A. And obviously Herbert, we got to see him for the first time. I'm wondering, you know, I know they said Tyler, uh, Tyrod Taylor, when he's back, that it's his job. But man, it felt like one of those things that, like, you lost your spot and now you lost your job. But um, Kansas City with three huge kicks in that game. That game was a lot closer than many people thought. It was. Kansas City, uh, their offense didn't play nearly as well. And the Chargers have a very good defense. And, again, their coach is a very good defense. Yeah, you can put together some very good defensive game plans. I, I'm with you on Herbert. Why are you talking about bringing Tyrod Taylor back in? I understand what Tyrod Taylor's skill set is, but as good as Herbert looked yesterday, why aren't you trying to get this guy in there in front of your game plan around? But I think the Chargers realize we have to win today. I don't think their coaching staff would be able would get another year if they put Herbert in this. So they can't they can't deal with the rookie pains. But as an organization, they need to put him in there. Baltimore-Houston, too much Baltimore. Jackson, great game again. I mean, obviously, Houston uh, looks like they're missing DeAndre Hopkins. They are. Their offense is not the same. Their defense is nowhere near what it was. Baltimore, they played a power-running game. They can throw vertical. They can do There's not a thing that team can't do. They're the most complete team in the league right now. And in Houston, I mean, what a terrible beginning of the season. You have to play Kansas City on the road, and then you got to play Baltimore. you playing the two best teams in the league, arguably. So they're 0-2. But if I'm Houston, I'm not panicking just yet because – there aren't many teams that are going to win even one out of the two of the last two games they played. And then last night, a lot of fun. It was New England and Seattle. Back and forth they go. Comes down to the final play. You knew a play was coming, and Cam Newton gets uh, taken down right at the one-yard line. Newton goes for almost 400. Huge game for Russell Wilson. Uh, that game was a lot of fun. It was, and hey, those sorts of plays near the goal line, his history of them is fantastic, but they just lost the point-of-attack battle there, but that Russell Wilson threw for five touchdown passes and Stephon Gilmore struggled like he did, I think it's a bit of a concern for New England that their defense is not what it was the past couple of years. And if that's the case, I don't think they've got an offense to keep up in these kind of contests. Yeah, unfortunately, I had uh, Newton as my fantasy quarterback, and if he would have got in there, tonight would have been a lot easier of a night for me. <laughs> uh, I need uh, about 21 points out of Josh Jacobs tonight, but I would have only needed 11 points had uh, – Cam got in there, but he gave me a big enough day to get me back in that game. I actually had to go up against Dak Prescott yesterday. That was no fun, but there you go. Week one, and of course, uh, Casey, you'll be back on Friday to get us ready for week number three as the Eagles will take on the Cincinnati Bengals, and then of course, we'll be uh, taking a look back at your Thursday night matchup this week, which is, uh, what's the Thursday night game this week? It's, oh, Miami and Jacksonville is your Thursday night game. So, uh, Casey will be back on Friday for that. Don't forget, follow him on Twitter at KCJoinerTFS and check him out at thefootballscientist.com 
for more on this NFL season. All right, Casey, we will check in on Friday, pal. Appreciate it, man. All right, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline, brought to you by Recovery Centers of America with drug and alcohol addiction treatment centers located in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Devon, PA. One thought, every game from the football scientist. Real quick, I want to uh, change some quick gears here and go over to some baseball because it's the final week of the season, by the way. Phillies in action, Bryce Harper's in the lineup, but hey, final week and the Phillies are currently in the playoff mix. Shouldn't we be excited and ready to go here? Absolutely. I think you're just down in the dumps because of the Eagles losing the game. But, yeah, I think as the week goes on, it's hard on Sunday to sit there and watch the Phillies when everything's going on, don't you think? I know, but, I mean, like, I feel like tonight I'm going to be into the Monday night football game, so the Phillies game is probably going to be uh, secondary for me. That is interesting, though, because you are talking about a stretch. Now, if the Phillies were in the same position as the Dodgers or the – I know the Yankees were struggling, but they picked up and hit a billion home runs within the last week or so. If they were in a different position that was still in the playoffs, you think the juice would be there, or do you think it would be the same? I don't know. I mean, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. It, it, it's really hard to get into this team with this bullpen. That's that's the problem I have. I mean, the bullpen is just so bad. They lost Hembry today. He got placed uh, on the it's injured list. It's probably a good thing, though, in, in reality of the team. Not so much a player getting injured, but from a production yeah, but, Okay, standpoint. we could say that about every guy. That's true. I mean, there's not a guy that you're like, I mean, hey, it's a good thing. Because the next guy that comes up to replace him is not going to be any better. You know? I mean, that's it's fair. like it, there's nobody to replace him. Uh, Rosso got called up today to replace him on the roster. They brought Moniak back, I think. Or maybe they sent him. I don't know. I mean, the, they brought Moniac back, right, yeah. Uh, Real Muto still not ready to play. Did you see the lineup today? I did see the lineup. Do you like it? Well, they got... Uh, Hastley leading off. Hastley leading off. By the way, Hastley is a terrible corner outfielder. That is correct. He went from... Uh, we looked at him at center field and go, this guy's a great defender. He's you a put good him out center in any fielder. Other right. spot. He's a good <laughs> center fielder, but he's not a good corner outfielder is what no, I was... not, not at all. Yeah, no. he's uh, It's Hastley... Harper, D.H., and Bohm at first. Gregorius, Segura, Bruce in right. Nap catching Kingery at second. Quinn, who is really struggling big time right now. They just don't have anybody else to put out there. And then Wheeler's on the mound. I got to tell you, Wheeler pitching tonight. You have got to get this one with Wheeler on the mound. I can't. I can't wait for tomorrow's show if he goes seven and two thirds and yanked with ninety-seven pitches. Unacceptable. Um, just to give you the playoff updates right now, um, if the playoffs were to start today, the Phillies would be in. So you're in the final week of the season. No, look, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. So, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a, I'm a little juiced about the possibility of some playoff baseball for the first time in a while. But, again, I mean, so the wild card race looks like this, though. The Phillies are the top team in the wild card race with Cincinnati a half a game behind you. Here's the rub. Um, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and San Francisco are all 500 on the nose, and the Phillies are one game over 500. So they got to still win some ball games this week. They got uh, Washington, and then who do they close the season out with? It's a good question. I don't know who's after that. Is it Toronto? Uh, no, they. I don't think so. I'll look it up right now. They. Oh yeah, this. No, no, they just played Toronto. It's Tampa Bay. Tampa. I thought it was an American League team. Okay, so yep. it's Tampa Bay. So you got Nationals for four, and Tampa, who's maybe the best team in baseball, at 
with three games left. I mean, this is not going to be a gimme. Absolutely not. But if I did see it correctly, they do miss out on Scherzer and Corbin in this Washington series. I did see that, yes. But here, by the way, isn't it amazing that Washington has the same record that they had last year, 19 and 31? And then they went on that rip. They went and ripped all those, you know, and, and won the World Series. They have the same exact record at, at that they did after uh, whatever, 50. That's game. actually crazy to think about, considering when the season started 60 games, oh, look at the Nationals, look what they did. And the fact that they're in the same spot, and you think to yourself, huh, if this was 162, yeah. would they be able to do well, that again? Okay, and this is where I have a hard time with this season. Miami's going to make the playoffs. That team's not a playoff team. San well, you Diego, know what? In this 60-game stretch, they've been beaten up on teams. Like, they've had the chance to fall apart, and they just keep winning games. Uh, they're 28-25. and 25. They're hanging around 500. I think that they would probably at some point kind of fall apart. They might not be a, you know, 50-win team or 58-win team. Uh, San Diego's made the playoffs for the first time in a long. They clinched yesterday. So the Padres are back in. Uh, you go up to the American League. Tampa clinched. The Yankees have clinched. White Sox have clinched. Minnesota has clinched. Oakland has clinched. Now, the wild cards in the AL, you got, I mean, the Astros look like they're going to get in. They're probably going to be, they're, they, by the way, the Astros and the Phillies have the same record. Yeah, the Astros have been struggling compared to what they you know yeah. put together over the last couple of seasons. You talk about being juiced up for the playoffs, though. I think that there's one guy I'm really excited for, and that's Aaron Nola. I, I want to see Aaron Nola get that first playoff nod and go out there and compete. Now, you brought up an interesting question. Would they go with Wheeler? Would they go with Nola as the guy, the number one guy? Well, it might, matter. Would... It might matter how uh, this sets up, like the week goes here. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Who you play, what they're good at. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it'll all see. No, I don't know about that. Numbers. I don't know about who you play and what they're good at as much as I'm talking about what, like, the pitching rotation. So right now, Nola is scheduled to pitch on the last day of the season. And Wheeler, oh, right. so that's huge Wheeler is scheduled to pitch on the Saturday. And Nola, so there's a good possibility that if you make the playoffs, Neither one of those guys is going to be able to pitch in the playoffs. Well, let me ask game. you a question. Would you sacrifice Nola pitching game one for a different seating on who you're going to play? Because if, if you say you know you're in the postseason, but if you win, you play an X team. If you win, you play a Y team. Would you sacrifice knowing you're in the postseason who you're going to play just to make sure Nola can pitch? Well, if, if you've already clinched, you're not going to see Nola pitch. Right. There's no way. If you already clinch a spot, you're not using NOLA or Well, what are. if the difference is, you know, playing a team that you like matchup-wise? No, you're not going to win the final reg or take a chance to win the final regular season game to get matched up with somebody else and then not have NOLA to be available to pitch for the— when does, I, would like, I would like to think you are correct with when that When does the playoffs—the final game is on the 27th. That's this Sunday coming up. So when is the the when do the baseball because so there's one day off after the regular season and then the playoffs begin right away. So Monday you're off, Tuesday you're right back at it. So there's a possibility that Wheeler and Nola aren't even available to pitch in that series. You can't do that. You can't allow for that to happen. But you got to get in at the same time, right? I mean, what are you, your options are? What I mean, you got to you got Wheeler pitching tonight. You got Nola pitching tomorrow. Then you have an off day. Then Eflin, Velasquez, Wheeler, 
Nola, and that's the season right there. That, that this is going to shape up very, very weirdly, and it's going to be very interesting to keep our eyes on how they do this. Think about that. You, what, what are you going to throw? You're going to throw uh, Medina? I mean, Vince Velasquez? You can't throw that in the first playoff game. You just can't. No, you're, I mean, at, you're, you're at a spot right now where if the Phillies make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, and let's say it goes down to the final weekend of the year, if you make the playoffs – you're looking at the possibility of Eflin Velasquez pitching games one and games two. There's no way they allow they allow Velasquez to pitch. There's just no way they can do that. What, what else are you going to do? I mean, unless you're going to go with Wheeler on on short rest. I would think that they would go down that road over Vince Velasquez. Possible, but that's still you would be going with Wheeler on short rest in game two. So you might already be down in that series one game to none. Whew, this is gonna. This is why you got to take care of business earlier in the season, so you're not in this predicament. Yes, exactly. This is why you can't go out down to the final day and have. Let's just say it comes down to the final day, and you need Nola to pitch on that day. That means Nola essentially would not be available to pitch in the playoff round. It's a best. That of would three, be the right? worst case scenario for me because that's the guy I'm really amped up to see them. That's like the number one reason why I want to see them do this is so I can watch Nola get that you know postseason vibe. It's uh, let's see. So the wild card game one, game two. If that, yeah, it's a three-game series, right? They got rid of that one-game thing, right? So it's a yep, three-game three, series. Every team is playing a three-game series. Correct, right? So it's a three-game series. There's a good possibility that Nola would not be available to pitch in any of the three. If he has to, if they go down to the final day and they need him to pitch on the final day, you probably would not see him pitch in that first round. Sports Bash Five is coming up. All right, let's get the five as we get ready to wrap up a Monday show. Back tomorrow, Frank Close is in the house with this uh, Phil stuff that we've been talking about. We'll get his opinion on that, plus Tuesday with Thompson. And who's in, who is out. What do we got? All right, you're 41-34 and 34 on the season. Bryce Harper, he left last game with like a, a back stiffness. Looks like he's in the lineup, as we stated. Do you think he home runs tonight? No, I'm not going uh, Bryce Harper. I'm, I'm not going home run tonight, although he's been on a torrid streak. I tuned in last night. Eagles game's over. I flip over to the Phils. He's up, bases loaded, nobody out, three balls, two strikes. And he struck out, and then he took himself out of the game. Yeah, he's been scorching hot, though, so it's, it's unfortunate he couldn't deliver there. Any errors for the Phillies tonight as a whole, as a team? Uh, you got Wheeler on the mound, no errors tonight. A lot of focus no. behind errors. A lot of, he gets a lot of Ks, too. Well, speaking of... Do you think that he get over five and a half? Do you like that? Yep, I'm going over five and a half for uh, for Wheeler. This Girardi Washington said, team's not very good. What's that? This Washington team's not very good. Oh, I agree. Girardi said that JT may be available to pinch hit tonight. He's at 90% back. Do you think that he pinch hits? Uh, yeah, I think we will see JT get a big spot in the game tonight. Okay. It's going to be interesting question, to see dude. what happens because... Let's say he says, I'm ready to come back and play. Does he DH? Do they play him at first base? You can't move Alec Bohm, right? Well, you put Bohm back at third. Ooh, stop. <laughs> can't do that. Just saying, I mean, <laughs> maybe Kinger, he goes to center. Interesting. Got to um, say, um, Quinn's overmatched, man. 
Yeah, he had six strikeouts in that doubleheader. Six strikeouts. Yeah. Crazy. Last question. Do the Phillies win? Yeah, Wheeler's on the mound. If they don't, major disappointment. Major disappointment. All right, there's your five. Who's pitching for uh, the Nats tonight, you know? I do not off the top of my head now. All right, well, we're back tomorrow. All that. More on the birds. Getting ready for Cincinnati. 2-0 and 2 squads. How about that?